fighting for freedom every day. They're learning at a young age. They're being taught the socialists control the ones that are blaming Republicans for being Nazis or being fascists, the ones that are promoting some type of cancel culture, the ones that are promoting some type of agenda of uh, shadow banning. Realize at a young age that, hey, sure, you can have your freedom of speech, but we can block your funding. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It's hour number two of the Voice of Reason as we move through your wonderful heat and festive global warming fantastic weekend and that's the way we kick off the program here on the voice reason welcome into it it's hour number two we had a great hour number one as we had leslie manukian with the health defense fund fighting for the truth to come out challenging the science aka challenging anthony fauci even though he is officially retired when it comes to health information the covid19 virus the vaccine and a heck of a lot more and bottom of this hour, Lance Azumai, uh, Pacific Research Institute. He'll be joining us. He's been a great guest for a long time, wonderful individual. And we'll talk about the Supreme Court decision on affirmative action as uh, obviously it's kind of a racist thing to say, well, you're a certain skin color, so you qualify more than someone of a different skin color to go off to college. That's kind of weird, isn't it? That's I thought we ended racism and segregation and that sort of stuff, but apparently not. So we'll talk with Lance about that coming up. At the bottom of the hour, uh, Chad, bring, come on the mic here just a minute. We were talking briefly off the air, but have you or are you planning in any way, shape or form to go and watch the Barbie movie this weekend? No. Here's the thing. I am going to be watching at, right after this program in just about an hour or so. We'll be going and watching it with a little voice of reason. Now, for those that don't know, my daughter is nine years old. And Barbie is like her favorite thing in the entire world. And she is so excited when she heard about a Barbie movie. Now, I was skeptical, obviously, because it's Hollywood. So I don't know how great this movie is actually going to be. According to the headline I just saw from Fox News, actually, during the break was, Critics are claiming that Barbie is a stunning takedown of toxic masculinity. (laughs) And if we're going after toxic masculinity, I assumed now Barbie itself... It's like, hey, I'm a woman. I can do anything because, like, I'm an astronaut and a doctor and a veterinarian and some cool, super awesome uh, gal. And, like, Ken is just a pretty boy that just goes alongside me here. So we already went into the idea that this was going to be that type of movie. And then uh, Hollywood, I'm assuming, was going to take it to the next level as well by saying, well, yeah, we're going to make sure, especially in today's age, that it is the most feminized movie out there. And I'm very skeptical of even wanting to go and watch this. But again, try and tell your nine-year-old daughter whose entire room is pink and full of Barbie that you're not going to go watch the actual Barbie movie. Now, I have one stipulation for this movie as that it better have the Barbie girl song in it, but not the Barbie girl song from Agua or Aqua or whatever the hell their name is, but the metal version of the Barbie song. Know what I'm talking about? From Leo Morcielli, Morcielli, or whatever the heck his name is from YouTube that redoes songs. He did a Barbie version. You can YouTube it. You can look it up. I can't play it here because of copyright things, but it is amazing. And they have to play that version of the Barbie Girl song in the movie. Now, the reason I bring this up is because right now we have the writer strike in Hollywood. We have the actor strike in Hollywood and these movies, this one, along with Oppenheimer, are probably the last major Hollywood hits that we're going to see blow up the movie theaters for a while. And some movie critics are actually saying that we're going to see the demise of Hollywood because of this ongoing strike. 
that we've talked about a little bit before, it's really going to, uh, it, and they have a little bit of a con- uh, legitimate concern. Now, I'm not a union guy. I think unions are like the worst thing in the entire world. They are um, the spawns of Satan, so to speak. I, <laughs> I know. And people are like, wait a second, what? Hold on here. I am not a fan of unions in any way, shape, or form. However, their concern about AI, artificial intelligence, taking over the writing jobs by just plugging something into chat GPT, them having their movies pl- or their writing plagiarized and a new script coming out of it is something that is, I think, a cause for concern. And it would take away the humanity, I think, of how quality movies are made. Although a quality movie hasn't been made really in a while because everything either has a massive political purpose or it's so CGI'd with special effects that it's not entertaining anymore. I want, and Chad, correct me if I'm wrong here, I want the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, blowing stuff up, action movies, karate black belt dudes going around where there's a little bit of a special effect for maybe the dramatic, um, you know, the, the blood that's smearing everywhere during the fight scene. But outside of I don't want superhero movies anymore. I don't want space movies anymore. I don't want people acting with a whole green bodysuit on anymore. I'm tired of that stuff. I just don't want it. And I think most people are getting that way, too. So with the massive amount of money that's tanking in Hollywood, the box office has been going down for years now, especially after the COVID-19 pandemic. There's a bit of a reset going on, the great reset happening in Hollywood by itself. The writers are striking. The actors are striking. People are they claim they're not making enough money when they've oversaturated the Hollywood market. There's now way too many streaming services making their own content. There's too many production companies, which means they're going to get paid less because there's too much content being punched out and they're resetting that market altogether. Then we get to the censorship issue. And obviously, Sound of Freedom, which we talked about last week a little bit with the movie that's still doing very well. It broke its hundred million in revenue as of Wednesday, I believe this week, just over a hundred million dollars, probably going to jump a little bit more this weekend as more people go out to see Sound of Freedom. Pat yourself on the back, man. Pat yourself on the back and say job well done for you because you, my friends, have been the one that has decided through a free market, lazy, fair capitalist system. You, my friends have decided what's going to be an, a piece of entertainment in Hollywood, and they don't like what you're doing. They don't like the fact that you are making that decision. So pat yourself on the back and say, well done, because you have set the tone for what's going to be quality content here in the country. We see Bud Light crashing. We see Kohl's crashing. We see Target crashing. Bud Light itself, by the way, has lost $16 billion. That's with a B in market value for Anheuser-Busch. The company itself now For a company that makes massive amounts of different types of beer, not a huge issue. But for Bud Light itself, it's going down the tubes. You've had the Coles. You've had the Target. You've had the Disney. Now you have the Jason Aldean song. And which, by the way, Luke Bryan has now called for doing the same thing to CMT uh, because they pulled the music video from Jason Aldean. He's saying, I'm going to pull all my music videos from CMT as well. We're going to turn that into the next Bud Light because they are so progressive in the Apparently, country music industry, they don't understand their demographics. So job well done because you're setting that to you are showing them what's popular and what's not popular in the nation. And I think that's a good thing. Now, that being said, there's a right way to handle these issues and there's a not so right way to handle these issues in our what's trending. What's trending today? And Ron DeSantis, presidential candidate, governor of Florida right now, was on Fox News just a day or so ago talking about his fight against Disney, the anti-ESG, and now that Anheuser-Busch 
and the overall company is tanking with a loss of revenue of near $16 billion because of the Bud Light issue. They're starting to work on, as a state government in Florida, ways to change their government investments. And this goes directly into the ESG concern of, quote-unquote, woke companies or businesses that are forced into going woke in order to survive with the government telling them how they have to act and operate as a business in order to function and stay alive. Who can own a bank account? Who can get government loans? Who can get government grants? Who can get government contracts? Who can even just basically open a bank account if you follow the ESG movement, that you're part of the diversity you're part of the environmental garbage. You're part of the whole movement of we're going to fundamentally transform the United States of America. Remember those terms for Barack Obama? Yeah, that's what they're trying to advocate for now. And uh, Florida apparently has had enough. Now, there are states that have already passed anti-ESG laws, including here in the state of Kansas, where I'm hailing from with our flagship radio station and the Hoosier Media Network. And we've already passed it that we have decided to not invest as a state government to not invest any money into businesses that are quote-unquote woke or going along with the ESG movement. We're deciding to go elsewhere. And Florida apparently starting to do the same thing. Well, we had over $50 million worth of InBev stock in the pension. Of course, Florida's pension funds about $180 billion. So it's a pretty big uh, endeavor. Uh, but it has absolutely hurt teachers. It has absolutely hurt uh, other pensioners. And, you know, we talk about woke corporations, and a lot of times we focus on, understandably, how they're trying to change society, get involved in politics, and we fight back against that. We did that against Disney and others, and that's important. But the flip side of it is just as you suggest, when you start pursuing a political agenda at the expense of your shareholders, that's not just impacting very wealthy people. It impacts hardworking people who were police officers, firefighters, and teachers in terms of the pension. So what we're doing, since we do have these shares, uh, we believe that when you take your eye off the ball like that, you're not following your fiduciary duty uh, to do the best you can for your shareholders. So we're going to be launching an inquiry uh, about Bud Light and InBev, and it could be something that leads to a derivative lawsuit uh, filed on behalf of the shareholders of the Florida uh, Pension Fund, because at the end of the day, there's got to be penalties for when you put business aside to focus on your social agenda at the expense of hardworking people. It's a great move. We always ask, what can we do in politics? What can we do to change the narrative? How can we fight back? How do we change stuff? Well, guess what? I've said this many times before. The state government's the way that you do that. And the state government can literally say, hey, we invest millions of dollars into certain businesses as a state. We get that return on investment. That's part of our funds that we have coming in. We're going to start dominating what businesses are going to work and not work based on their ESG or wokeness or progressiveness or equity and inclusion and diversity or environmental changes that they're doing, whatever it is, we're going to invest in businesses that are more aligned with our interests. And Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch is not one of those. So along with losing near $16 billion in market value, they're also now going to be seeing a pulling out of investments and shares selling off of the shares from government entities that are invested in them. And that's good news. And states can do that all around the country. And you want to know how quickly businesses are going to start changing their model of operation? Man, we can change that pretty quickly. Now, again, they're going to be stuck between the rock and the hard place because some of them are like, yeah, we totally like this agenda. This is what we're trying to do. And, oh, no, we're losing investments. Maybe we should do something a little bit different. Other ones are like, hey, 
we're the victims here. The government's telling us we have to do this. And now do I go along with the government to operate and survive? Or do I actually do what the consumer wants? Because the consumer has made it very clear they don't want the woke movement in the nation. They don't want the Bud Light. They don't want the forcefulness of LGBTQ in the public schools. They don't want this garbage in there. They don't want to be called racist because of a Jason Aldean song that just says, hey, um, don't bring your anarchy into the rural communities across the nation. We were raised properly. We have values. We actually respect people. We're just the good old boys doing our daily job. And by the way, we have most of the firearms. He didn't threaten anybody. But yeah, that's the way they take it. It's It's been weird. Weird watching them actually go after Jason Aldean. So guess what? The purge is happening. The awakening is happening on who's actually on board and where you can actually spend your money and invest your money in the proper way. Ron DeSantis on board with so many other states that are doing this, fighting against the ESG. There is one particular problem, though, that I have with Ron DeSantis. And this isn't to endorse or not endorse or uh, support for the presidential campaigns, but just as he's done a particular thing in Florida, He's done the right thing, but for the wrong reasons. And that's with his fight against Disney and how woke that they've gone, which is insane, especially with this new Snow White movie that they'll touch on here in a little bit. But after this show in about 45 minutes, I'm getting ready to go see the Barbie movie with little voice of reason. And after watching the fight against ultra masculinity in this movie, I can tell you one thing right now. Daddy's going to need a drink. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed, it is moving through a weekend here for you. Great to have you along for the ride as we continue to bring common sense, reason, rationale to the airwaves every single weekend here. And we fight against this ESG. I told you right now, this is ESG is probably like the most dangerous thing that's happening right now. It goes in line with the wokeness. It is the social credit score for businesses that is going to blend into the social credit score for the consumer in order for them to function in society or to buy anything in society or to have a bank account in society or to hold money or to do anything. It's going to bleed into through the crony capitalism that's tied into the government, that's tied into the government control over the private sector. The literal definition of fascism, which is controlling of the private sector and the private economic flow of money in an industry uh, or, or in a uh, an economy at all. But nonetheless, there's a good way to fight these things and a bad way to fight these things. And while there is a tie at the federal level with the corporations, I, I am excited to see the blowing up and the reformation of uh, Hollywood in the movie industry in general. Disney is having some bomb after bomb after bomb. Did you know they actually let go, apparently, all of the little people, dwarves, whatever they want to call midgets in the new Snow White movie because it wasn't woke enough. So now they're going to have different ones of all different diverse backgrounds because <laughs> that's what they want. They, I mean, cool, whatever, I guess. But they are going so woke that sometimes you forget the message of the point you're actually trying to make because you're just going out of your way to just be kind of different. And if that's the direction you want to go, then I guess that's cool. I am interested to see what this Barbie movie is going to look like this weekend because... It's the fight against ultra-masculinity. 
Yes, as we fight against Disney, there's a right way to fight and a wrong way to fight. As I believe Ron DeSantis has done the right thing, but for the wrong reasons in Florida with their battle that they've had over the last couple of years against Disney. Well, I'll tell you what, um, you know, we did the battle with Disney last year over parents' rights and over the sexualization of minors. We took a very strong stand. I've been criticized for that by a lot of Republicans even. At the end of the day, this is just non-negotiable when you're starting to talk about our kids. So we were happy to have that fight and win that fight. But I'll tell you, from a shareholder perspective, to have a family company go down that road was a huge catastrophic mistake. I know that there's a lot of people out there uh, that are looking at doing that. You know, we're a little bit still in, in, in litigation with them because they've tried to sue us. So I don't know that we'd be the right one to do it, but I definitely think you're going to end up seeing that because the value has just plummeted. And I think it all goes back to pursuing a social agenda over what makes the best sense economically. So the big question is, what social agenda are we pushing through the government, even a Republican government that's battling against some of these world companies like Disney? As I mentioned, him going after Disney the way they did, which was taking away the land and actually making them pay property tax because they're not their own nation. They're not their own government entity like they've done since like the 1950s when they absorbed that land and got it in the first place. They should never have been able to do that. And the fact that Ron DeSantis was able to take that away from Disney is a good thing. Now, of course, Disney's just going to jack up their prices and charge even more. Last time we went to Disney on Ice here in the Wichita area where I'm coming from with our flagship, uh, I took a little voice reason to go see Disney on Ice for a bag of cotton candy, which cotton candy, if you don't know, is like 20 cents to make. $20 for a bag of cotton candy. Oh, yeah, they're making bank, baby, and they're just going to raise their prices more, but it's up to you and I to decide, you know, maybe we're not going to spend that much money to actually go to an entertainment park and uh, see all the wokeness that's going on. They should have never had those perks in the in the first place because the government shouldn't be giving out special perks to individual corporations. They should just be saying, hey, come to our state and invest in here because we'll have the lower tax rates for everybody, not just specifically for you. So it was good that he did it, but he did it as a punishment to a private business with a private business making their own private decisions that I don't agree with. That's for you and I as the consumer to decide based on where we spend our hard-earned money. Not for the government to decide whether it's good or bad, but for you and I to decide, I don't want to go to their movie. I don't want to go to their park. I don't want to spend the money. I don't want the identity politics. You're going to change your ways or you're going to go under because no one's going to buy your product. That's not the government's role to do that. Lots more coming up. Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed, it is. It is the Voice of Reason trying to cram that ten pounds reason into that five pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation, one radio listener at a time, with radio stations all over the place. Man, we are blowing up like a weed, and I can't thank you enough for that. We have more stations coming on here in the next week or two as we continue on with our weekend edition of the Voice of Reason, and uh, as we jump in at two cities all over the place if you would like us if you're watching the stream if you're listening to the podcast you want us in your market let us know what stations call your local radio stations let them know about the show and we'll try and get on there as uh, we have a lot more cool things in the works and we appreciate that very very much i never like actually plug where you can actually find the podcast either which is i I apologize for that go to the website who's your reason.com 
You can become a Hoosier Holic. Sign up for free. That's H O O S E R reason.com. You can sign up, become a Hoosier Holic. You'll get our monthly newsletter. You can see the links to the podcast. You can see all the affiliates we have for the radio station, which I haven't updated in a while. So I apologize for that. I need to get more on there, but we have a lot of great information. You can also find the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting sites at the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. And you can find that on again, all of them, iTunes and Spotify and Amazon music and tune in and all the other places. Check us out, subscribe, watch us live. We always love you to death very, very much. I don't want to waste any time because uh, this is one of my favorite guests to have on the show. We've had him quite a few times during the weekday program. We had to get him on for the weekend here as well as we talk about the identity politics, the wokeness that's going on, the bombs that have been dropped by the Supreme Court this year, man, they are losing their minds. And I don't think Democrats know how to handle this because it's wild. The racists that are trying to fight racism through racism, and it's coming back to bite them in the you-know-what as the Supreme Court dropped their load just a couple weeks ago, ending affirmative action, essentially, especially at a couple major universities where the affirmative action holding back people saying, sorry, we have enough of your kind, and we're going to go find a different kind. What's that going to do for the future of higher education? Really happy to have on the program. He is the director for the Center of Education with the Pacific Research Institute. We love having him on the show. It's Mr. Lance Zumai. Lance, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Andy. It's always a real pleasure to be on your show. Great to be here on a Saturday. Yeah, it's so good to have you on. I appreciate you very much. What a wild, I mean, the, the Supreme Court the last couple of years has been dropping some big bombshells that I don't think a lot of people expected. The fact that we're reversing affirmative action that's been around for a couple decades now, that's a huge hit for some on the other side in education, isn't it? Oh, it's a huge, huge hit. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was uh, un- unexpected, at least in some quarters, uh, because the Supreme Court had for years, as you mentioned, been vacillating on this issue of race-based preferences. And so the Supreme Court, basically, you, if you read the previous decisions, you knew that they thought it was wrong, but they couldn't bring themselves to say that it was unconstitutional. Well, finally, finally, the Supreme Court uh, handed down a 6-3 decision in this recent case involving Harvard University and uh, University of North Carolina saying that uh, race-based preferences are unconstitutional based upon the 14th Amendment uh, Equal Protection Clause, that when you separate uh, people by race and admit them at different rates by race, then uh, you are violating the equal protection of those who are not being admitted. And I think that one of the key things that uh, your listeners should know about this this particular ruling is that the mainstream media has been trying to portray this as a white versus black issue. And really, that's not uh, the truth, because the plaintiffs in the case were actually Asian Americans. They were the ones who were uh, being uh, discriminated against by Harvard University and UNC uh, the most, uh, because they had the highest academic index, which is the uh, combination of SAT and GPAs, and yet were being admitted at the lowest rates of any of the racial groups, because uh, they didn't fit that racial narrative in the demographics that uh, the higher education institutions wanted to promote. Yeah, I had read a story a couple weeks ago, I think, and they had talked about an Asian student who had a obviously a massive GP, massive test scores uh, for the ACTs, SATs, whatever test that they took. They were applying to try and get into some of the elite universities, got denied by six of them because they had already filled their quota for the Asian population. They were looking for women or they were looking for the black community or looking for whatever. How in the world 
Can you be at the top of your game, possibly one of the smart individuals that could have a breakthrough of technology or innovation in some way, shape, or form, and yet you get denied because our system says, sorry, we have enough of your kind. We don't need you any longer. To me, that is the blatant definition of racism, isn't it? That's absolutely right. There couldn't be anything more uh, clear-cut than that type of racial discrimination. And if you look at uh, Harvard's own statistics, if uh, Asians were admitted uh, purely based upon uh, academic uh, measures such as SAT and uh, uh, GPAs, they would represent about 43% of the Harvard entering class. And yet, uh, because uh, what was more important for Harvard was to have basic, basically racial balancing in their entering class. Uh, Asians were at less than half of that, didn't usually break the 20% mark. There was a glass ceiling for Asians. And, uh, you know, if you took actually, uh, and this is, this is the thing that's really shocking, so if you took an average applicant to Harvard, uh, a male applicant, not disadvantaged, number of other characteristics, and you made that person Asian, that person had about a 25% chance of getting into Harvard. If you made that person white, about a 36% chance. If you made that person Hispanic, they had a 77% chance of getting into Harvard. And if you made that person African-American, that person had a 95% chance of getting into Harvard, basically four times uh, the amount of the uh, chance of uh, Asian-American getting in, even though the Asian-American had the higher academic qualifications. And the reason is that Harvard can do that is because they used personality traits to also rate uh, their candidates for admission, and they, um, including like uh, friendliness and uh, courage, integrity, kindness, a bunch of other tra- types of traits, and they always rated Asians at the bottom in all of those traits and raised the, um, uh, uh, the chances of other races by giving them higher marks. And so that's why uh, Chief Justice Roberts, in his uh, majority opinion in this case, said that that is the epitome, basically, of stereotyping, that you're uh, attributing all these negative uh, uh, images to one race because of their race. And so, therefore, the 14th Amendment says when you eliminate racial discrimination, you have to eliminate all of it. What a wild concept looking at discrimination here. Let's let's unveil the layer of the onion a little bit deeper. Uh, We talk a lot about K through 12 education, the public education system. Do you think affirmative action is the cover up or the deflection, the distraction that the uh, progressives, that the liberals, that the Democrats have used to try and hype up certain minority groups to go into these institutions in higher education and ignore the fact that we're looking at instead just we need to look at who's qualified and who's the best at actually coming in. And the fact they're like, well, there's not as many opportunities for those maybe in inner city schools or Hispanic schools or black schools or whatever, realizing that the vast majority of taxpayer money is actually going towards those inner city schools in a state's education fund and from the Department of Education, that this whole affirmative action is nothing more than the scapegoat to cover up the failure of the public education system that they're currently running. I couldn't have said it better, and that's absolutely true. Um, with race preferences in admissions, in colleges, what you're trying to do is you're trying to solve the problem at the wrong end of the pipeline. You're trying to solve that problem at the end of the pipeline uh, where all the kids are already coming out of the K-12 system. And yet, if you look at the test scores, uh, for example, national test scores, you find that uh, African-American and Hispanic students, unfortunately, you know, score uh, less than 2 out of 10 uh, of them in both uh, racial groups score proficient on reading and mathematics uh, in the 4th and 8th grade. And so you have huge swaths of, 
of African Americans and Hispanics who are not scoring proficient in the basic subjects. And, uh, and what that means is that by the time they get into high school, well, they're not going to be in the position, unfortunately, and oftentimes through no fault of their own, they're not going to be in the position to be able to take the college preparatory courses that are necessary in order to get into colleges. In fact, the University of California, one of the most liberal uh, systems in the country, here in my own home state of California, the University of California has admitted that the reason why you see such low numbers of Hispanics and African Americans who are eligible for the colleges is not because of uh, any kind of systemic racism. It's because of systemic failure on the part of the uh, K-12 system to prepare these kids and their failure then to take the required college prep classes. And so that's what's the problem. The real thing that we need to do going forward is not to try and uh, change the uh, systems around the edges uh, in admissions to try and keep the racial balancing that the universities want. The real thing, uh, the real uh, uh, solution is to pressure the K-12 system that is sending them a failed pipeline. Yeah, it really reinforces the idea that we talk about economically is that we want equal opportunity for everyone, not equal outcome. And with the equal opportunity, making sure that the public education system is running to give everybody a great opportunity and a great education for good test scores and for a good graduation rate, which begs the question in about the minute before we have to take a break here, Lance, is where the heck is all that money going if they're getting all the money and yet the test scores stink and the graduation rates are low? What, what are they doing with that money? Well, I mean, I think a lot of it is going into areas that uh, have absolutely no uh, connection between uh, improving student performance and the money that's being spent. I think a lot of it is going into social justice programs now, especially. I think that's what you're seeing. I think a lot of it's going into administration. There's a lot of money going into areas that have no connection with improving those proficiency rates that I mentioned earlier amongst these uh, underrepresented minority groups. And, you know, for all that money, you can have the highest uh, per-pupil spend but if, it, if you're not putting it to where you're getting bang for the buck, unfortunately, those kids are going to continue to suffer. Yeah, that is very true. We're talking with Dr. Alanta Zumai. He's the senior fellow, senior director of the education studies at the Pacific Research Institute. He also has plenty of books, including The Great Parent Revolt, Choosing Diversity, and other books as well, which you can find on Amazon and other places. When we come back, we've got to take a break here. I want to continue this conversation on what it's done to the quality, not just of education, but to the quality of the workforce in the nation as well as we compete globally now on this global market when it comes to the best mathematicians, the best scientists, the best innovators, the best engineers, the best of the best in the business around the world. If we're limiting who can go to higher education to learn it, are we still competitive on the global front? We'll do that when we come back here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right in this last segment here, rocking it on a weekend for The Voice of Reason. Always great to have you along for the ride. As always, got to do our weekly check-in, though, too. Make sure Joe Biden's doing all right. He's been a little peakish. Talking a little bit slower, saying some things that we just don't quite understand, which is typical for Joe Biden. But you doing all right, buddy? Feeling, feeling okay? I want to be clear. 
I'm not going nuts. Just making sure. Just making sure. We're hanging out right now with uh, Dr. Lance Zuma. You can find him, the Pacific Research Institute, his books, The Great Parent Revolt, along with other great ones you can find on Amazon and other places as well, talking about affirmative action, what it's done for higher education, the scapegoat that they used for that for their failed policies in public education, K-12, through with all your taxpayer money that's gone to that that hasn't done a daggone thing to make education any better. And now we're sitting today. So, Lance, I have to ask you, when it comes to engineering or science or mathematics with breakthroughs on calculations and the way the world works or uh, different trade ideas or inventions or whatever, are we still the global leader on innovation or has affirmative action, do you think, hindered that because we haven't given the opportunity for those that could potentially need it to able to excel? I mean, where are we right now on the global scale? Well, we're certainly uh, going to be going declining right now. I mean, because if you look at up to this time when the uh, court issued this affirmative action overrule, that uh, we have been admitting uh, people not based upon merit. And when you don't uh, admit people based upon merit, upon their academic qualifications, then what you're doing is you're admitting people who are weaker in those areas. And that's going to have a domino effect, is that uh, you're admitting those people into higher education, but what that then uh, does is that you're those people who are then exiting from those universities, uh, especially our elite universities, you know, they're uh, not going to be as strong had that class been admitted based upon purely academic uh, measurements. And so I think that what you're doing is that what higher education has been doing for many years has been producing a um, workforce that is not as strong as it could be. Certainly this isn't the type of uh, admission system that communist China is using. They're using, they're focusing on the merit and being able to do all of those basic subjects, and that's not what uh, our country has been doing, unfortunately. And as things are, you know, uh, becoming even worse when you look at the fact that uh, the University of California and other systems have decided to eliminate the use of the SAT and the ACT as criteria to admit people into their universities. So I think that this uh, downward spiral, you know, uh, uh, I hope that this court ruling is going to help, but this downward spiral in quality, you know, can only increase from what I can see. Yeah, that is very true. That leads us to the other options that we have because the private sector, the free market, always fills the void when there's a demand. And right now there's a demand for opportunity to learn, to want to excel, to ask the questions on how to learn, not what to learn exactly, and to be able to question and move forward. Does that open up the door and the opportunity for the trade schools or for other types of institutions to step up and say, hey, we're going to teach you what you need to know, and then you go off and just flourish and do your thing under the great American system that we have? Oh, absolutely. I think that's what you're starting to see. That is one of the uh, silver linings or the uh, good things that is happening right now. I'm actually uh, in the middle of producing a film that looks at America's dropout uh, epidemic. But one of the ways that you can address that is through the the, uh, increase in the number of trade schools that you mentioned, uh, Andy. Uh, That Trade schools, especially at the K-12 level in high school uh, grades, have been very successful in giving kids the skills that they need, plus the education on the basic subjects that they need, in order to succeed in life and be able to fill those critical roles in America's economy that we need. And so I think that that's what you're seeing right now. And I think that through greater school choice, as a lot of states are pushing right now, you're going to see uh, more of those uh, sorts of uh, schools open up, uh, whether it's on uh, charter schools or private schools, that will meet the demand of uh, both the parents and students, but also of the employers as well. 
Amen to that. Lance, we got about 30 seconds as we wrap up here, but are you excited to go and watch the Barbie movie to try and demonize toxic masculinity, which is being taught in our schools right now as well? Is that is that on your radar? Are you ready to see that one? <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. I don't think I've seen a Hollywood movie since uh, the the, uh, the Maverick movie came out. And so, <laughs> I, so I think that I'll probably pass on that one, but uh, I'm certainly not uh, looking forward to seeing that even if I had a free ticket. Yeah, well, my nine-year-old daughter tells me that I have to go see it, so I guess i got to make that one. But I will take one for the team, and I will report back on all the toxic masculinity that's spread throughout the Barbie movie with uh, good old Ken there. Lance Azumai, Pacific Research Institute. Lance, God bless you, my friend. We love having you on the program. we got to do it again real soon, brother. No, I look forward to that, Andy, always. Hey, always a pleasure, my friend. There it is. That does it for another show. Another weekend in the books here for The Voice of Reason. We'll do it again next weekend. Until then. Be that catalyst for change. Be that voice in your own community. Be that voice of reason. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. Have a great weekend. We're back at it again. Until then, find us online at HoosierReason.com. Make sure we got a big couple weeks ahead of us as we go into off-season election time for your local elections. We'll do some of that here in the next few weeks. Until then, have a great weekend.